listening to Let the Bible Speak. Let the Bible Speak is the radio ministry of the Free Presbyterian Church. Stephen Pollock is the pastor of Free Presbyterian Church of Malvern, Pennsylvania. The church is located at the junction of 401 and Mallon Road. Thank you for joining us today as Dr. Pollock opens the Word of God and lets the Bible speak. Today on Let the Bible Speak, we're going to broadcast a message from Luke chapter 15. This will be the first broadcast of a very short series on the subject of the story of the prodigal son in Luke 15. The story of the prodigal son is the third part of a parable in Luke 15. The parable includes three parts, the story of the lost sheep, the lost coin, and then the lost son. The parable is told in response to the scribes and the Pharisees complaining that the Lord was eating with publicans and sinners. In verse number 2 of Luke 15, the text says, And the Pharisees and scribes murmured, saying, This man receiveth sinners and eateth with them. And he spake this parable unto them. And so it is in response to the murmuring of the scribes and the Pharisees that the Lord reveals to us the willingness of God to save sinners. Indeed, the joy of the Lord when sinners come to repentance. And so I want to highlight in particular the story of the lost son. Indeed, two lost sons. And so as we come to this series, uh, let's begin by enjoying the singing of Mr. Stephen Greer as he sings How Sweet the Name of Jesus Sounds. Thank you. 
warmest thought But when I see thee as thou art I'll praise thee as I ought Till then I would thy love proclaim With every fleeting breath And may the music of thy name Refresh my soul Let's turn together again to Luke chapter 15. Luke 15, verse number 11, simply says, A certain man had two sons. And that's the text for this morning's message, as you consider this man and his two sons. When you hold a newborn babe in your arms, your mind is a mass and a muddle of thoughts. I know I'm not just giving a word of personal testimony because I've spoken to other parents and there is this sense of profound confusion as you hold this fragile, precious little soul in your arms. Your terrified sense of fear. How can I possibly do this? There is joy. How precious I uniquely blessed to have such a one in my arms. Hope. What? What will this child do for the Lord? What might God do in and through this particular newborn child? Doubt. Doubt is often there. What if? And sometimes in your mind, you're even slow to finish that particular sentence, what if, and your mind goes into possible avenues of tragedy and sorrow. You're not willing to finish the thoughts. Boys and girls, young people here today, I know your parents, and I know your parents have had such thoughts. The model and the mass, I'm not quite sure what to think. You see, we don't want the pain of the prodigal. That word prodigal, not actually used in the Bible, means wasteful and extravagant. No parent wants a prodigal. So many questions. Where is he? Where is she? What is he doing? What is she doing? Who is he with? Who is she with? What's going to happen next? Those who have that experience, either past or present, understand the reality of those thoughts, the daily experience of wondering, and all the questions that come with that. We'd rather have a dutiful son or a daughter, one who is with us always, obeying us, serving. That's what we want. And on a human level, as parents, there's Nothing wrong with those desires. But appreciating that scenario, not wanting a prodigal but desiring a dutiful son, appreciating that helps us to understand 
why we feel as we do when reading the third part of this parable. Why, when we get to the end of it, do we feel that the father would rather have a prodigal than the elder brother? Why do we get to that point at the end of the story? That the father's delight is in the prodigal and not in the elder brother. Why does that make us feel somewhat uncomfortable? How can the father delight in the prodigal and seem so grieved by the elder brother? I deliberately lead you along this scenario because I think when we understand how we feel about this, it does reveal how we feel about the Lord God as our Heavenly Father. And so there is much to learn and address in our minds. See, what we must understand is when it says in verse number 11, a certain man had two sons, we should understand that at a certain point in time, a particular moment in history, both sons are lost. This is a man who at one point has two lost sons. And I want to examine and contrast these two lost sons. First of all, one who is obviously lost. The prodigal son as we know him. Verse number 24 makes it clear he was lost. Verse number 32, and was lost. Now, As we track the path of this son, I want to use four words as we follow him in his way. First of all, the word freedom. Freedom. That was the desire of the prodigal, wasn't it? He needed the finance to achieve that aim. But his desire was to be free. Free from godly restraints. We saw last time in verse number 29, as the elder brother highlights his righteousness, so-called, he says, neither transgressed I at any time thy commandment. Both sons are living under a restraint. We're not told what these commandments are. We're simply told that the father had commandments. There were rules and regulations that these sons were compelled to obey. And the prodigal, as at the point in his life, where he desires freedom. Parents, I think you understand this, but many, many young people are restrained in action. Not through a heart controlled by love for Christ, but by the restraints of an empty wallet. If you think your children are dutiful right now, it may well be because they have no bank account. But given the right situation, their freedom may well express itself in a way that will cause you much grief and misery. It is the natural heart of man to desire freedom from the restraints of a godly home. Freedom that is desired. The assumption... And young people, you believe this, you believe this for years, you believe that freedom will make you happy. You believe that your unhappiness is because of restraint in your home. But if you can know freedom, then you will know true happiness. That is what this young prodigal son thought. So the second word, I'm cheating here two words really. There is the word freedom and then there is the word far country. Far country. Verse number 13 Took his journey into a far country. He has the thought out of sight. Out of mind. Freedom that expresses itself in being away from these constraints. Not only away in heart. That happened sometime earlier. 
but now away geographically, away in location, in a far country. This parable is not intended as a manual on parenting. To be clear in that, this is not a portion of scripture that is telling you how to be a good parent or how to be a bad parent. That's not the point. I would say, in case some have any doubts, do not challenge the father with acting in a manner that was careless with his son. The son, I believe, was simply exerting his legal rights as one of his age. And it was the normal pattern that they had the right to ask for their portion of the inheritance. Oh, he had a single portion, the elder brother would have a double portion, but he was in his rights to ask for that at this time in life. It was understood that young men had to go out and set up their own home. That was expected. And so the elder brother, he could have the farm and the inheritance, but the younger brother had to go and set it in his own. So do not harshly judge the father and say, if the father had kept his money in, the, in his own pocket, there wouldn't have been these problems. Remember, the son's heart's gone already. The money's just a means for the son to achieve his aims. So this is not a manual on parenting. But however, because the Lord is pictured in the father, well, I believe there are some helpful insights. So this is just a little aside. But there are some things that we see this young man desiring freedom in a far country. There are some things that we should understand. It is right and proper for parents to bring restraints in the home. It is foolish to the greatest degree. The modern mindset that children should just be allowed to express themselves according to their desires. That really there should be essentially no restraints in the home. It's not godly, it's not wise. And here we see there is a place for restraint. But as I think about that matter, can I also address another lie that comes from the devil? I've heard this from far too often. And that is that restraints are the cause of the prodigal running to a far country. You were too strict as a father or mother. You were too severe. You drove your child out of the home. I'm not actually questioning that might be a possibility in some situations. But do not allow the devil to trap you in the mindset that you should be looser in your parenting so that you somehow manufacture a situation where the children will not run off as prodigals. Your parenting in the restraints you give must be according to the word of God. So you've got to parent with grace and love and compassion. Your restraints should not be excessively restrictive that that prevents a child from growing and developing. That happens sometimes. There are parents and they want their children To really be like a 9 and 10 year old forever. That's not wise parenting either. There must be a time when you begin to allow the child to express their development and their maturity. They've got to be challenged in certain areas. That's wise. Because whilst you see there is restraints. You get to the point where a godly parent has to release the child. This man had to do that. It's very, very hard for many parents. We love our children. We fear what might happen when they go into the world on their own. But it is not wise to expect your children to be continually under your restrictions or your restraints. They are made under God to pursue their own 
identity in life. So that matter of release can be very difficult. There is also, though, in the third place, again, this is an aside, okay, so we're still under the prodigal, but just some, some comments. There is also the issue of being willing to receive the prodigal. The father, he saw him. He's looking out. Prodigals will break the heart of the father. We see that in Proverbs, the foolish son. Breaks the mother's heart. Grieves the father. But this, this pattern we see in Luke chapter 15 reminds again that a godly father will always have an open heart willing to embrace and receive the returning son. Though they may have wasted much of their lives, yet there will be desire and a longing even for the son to return into the embrace of a loving father. There is also the matter, I believe, of reproving. There's an interesting situation here, and that is that the father still believes he has the right to reprove the elder brother. Old and the prodigal. But the father still has this responsibility. Honor thy father and mother does not end 18 or 21. The father has still this obligation to invest and pour in the life of the elder brother. In it all, what the father really wants is for his children to rejoice in communion with God and man in the home. But the home is marked by joy in the things of God. So in such a setting as this prodigal son has a father acting in this way, bringing restraints. But the father has a heart, a big heart, a soft heart, a generous heart, a kind heart. And in such a situation, the son has a desire for freedom. Freedom for our country. We're back into our structure regarding the prodigal. Freedom for our country. And thirdly, futility. That's the word wasted. It's there. We see that verse 13. And there wasted his substance with riotous living. Oh, he wasted the money. He's a prodigal. That's the definition of prodigal. One who wastes. Do not. Do not interpret this in a very narrow sense, young people. Don't let yourself off the hook in some way. That You say, well... I'm not going to waste all the money. In fact, I'm going to make money. I'm going to build upon money. This parable is not about simply wasting money. It's not a lesson on finance. It is the futility of living a life outside the will of God. There are many who have lived as prodigals, made a lot of money. But what they have done, they've wasted their entire lives. So much ability given to vanity and emptiness and not given to glorify God. You see, the prodigal experience can happen without you ever moving home. It can happen without you ever moving to a far country. Because it's an internal heart issue. And it can happen when you run away from God. And then your life is not being given for the glory of God. Render unto God the things that are God's. And there are those who live their lives as prodigals, making lots and lots of money, but they waste everything that God has given to them. And it's utter futility. Pointless. And they're away from God. Every church has a particular dynamic at a certain time in its history. 
And today, at this point, we have several young men in their mid to late teenage years. In a few years' time, we may not have such a congregation. But at this point, before my eyes, there are several young men, and you're at a pivotal point in your life. You see, God has given you a desire for independence. You are young men, and you want headship. You want leadership, and that is a God-given desire. That it is your desire under God to set up your own home and go forward in your own life. But at this pivotal moment, let me ask you, is there within your desire, in your heart, a desire for freedom in a far country that is away from the things of God? Is that within your soul? That what you want really above all else is to run away from God. And at this present time, God is, re- is represented in your family. And the authority of God is represented in the authority in your home. And so what you want to do is you want to get as far away as possible from God that you do not want God in all your thoughts. I'm simply asking you the question. Be honest with yourself. I, I love you in the Lord. But my burden of your, for your soul at this point is that you're honest with where you stand before God. Be honest. What is your heart moving you to do? Where do you want to be in the next five years? Far away from God. Or walking in fellowship with God. Futility. Which leads to the thought of famine. That's the fourth word. Freedom, far country, futility and famine. I said last week, sin will take you further than you want to go. A.W. Pink says this. The famine arose when man became separated from God. I yet the fall. The famine has referenced the fact that there is nothing whatever in this world that can minister to man's soul. Pink's making the point that the famine, even as an entity, did not exist prior to the fall. No famine in Eden. But famine now in a broken world. And this young man finds himself succumbing to the effects of the fall. Famine is a sign of God's curse. Amos chapter 4 in the verse number 6. I also have given you cleanness of teeth in all your cities and want of bread in all your places. Yet have you not returned unto me, saith the Lord. Famine is a mark of the curse. Spiritual famine. It may not occur for the prodigal in this life. There are some who are raised in a godly home and they leave off all godly constraints and they literally run away and They seem to prosper and do well and all is good. But the curse of God eventually falls. In the words of the Lord in judgment, depart from me, ye workers of iniquity. Some of you, I believe, in this gathering can praise God. But there was a time when you entered famine while you stood a breath in your lungs. You know the story. You can picture the story that you were amongst the pigs. And you were still breathing. You were still alive. You still still had hope and praise God. You were restored. Some of you who have the experience of the prodigal. This burden to run away and to be free from all restraints. Can I ask you, can I urge you, please get alongside some of these young men. 
love them in the Lord, tenderly and graciously point out the dangers of running from God and the futility that comes and ultimately ends in famine, famine for your soul. This son among the swine, a man who's now defiled, defiled in Jewish society amongst the unclean animals is a man who's obviously lost. We can, with tears, think and wonder about such lost souls. Sin took this young man further than he wants to go. Verse number 17, he came to himself. The end of verse 17, I want to point out one other matter regarding the grammar here. And I perish with hunger. Literally could be said, I destroy myself. He's come to recognize the self-destructive effect of his sinful choices. And if you've a lost one, if you've a loved one that's lost, this is where you want them to get to. That their sinful choices are self-destructive. They are not freedom. They are folly. And they will ruin and destroy and bring no lasting joy. And so he sees this folly, verse number 18. I will arise and go to my father. And he falls upon the mercy of the father. He knows he deserves nothing but desires the father's favor. You see, the way to God, from God's perspective, is sovereign seeking. Sinners come back to God because God sovereignly seeks them. But the way to God from our perspective is responsible repentance. Turning from the folly of our sin, change of mind and change of behavior. I've preached on repentance before. Running to God in Christ, knowing the mercy of God in Christ and fleeing from your sin and running into the safety of Christ. All safe in the knowledge that Christ receives sinners. We run into the embrace of Christ. He will love us with an everlasting love. Thank you for taking the time to listen to this episode of Let the Bible Speak from Malvern Free Presbyterian Church. If you'd like more information about the gospel or the church, please call 610-993-3170 or email malvernfpc at yahoo.com. We extend an invitation to all to join us as we worship the Lord each week. You will be made very welcome. The church is situated at 80 Mallon Road, Malvern, Pennsylvania, at the junction of 401 and Mallon Road. We meet for worship on the Lord's Day at 11 a.m. and 6 p.m. A Bible study and prayer meeting is also held on Wednesday evening at 7 p.m. We preach Christ crucified.